Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Happy Thursday, folks. I am here. Peter is here, even though Peter Peter's in the in the Arctic, in the ice cold Arctic, and I'm in snowbound Buffalo with a drift that was comes up to my my freaking jaw in the middle of my driveway. So that, that, that we're we're battling those conditions, but we we're fighting through that I'm to not, give you a. It's actually not bad here. It's like I think it's up, up to fifteen. Shut it's up, up to fifteen now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by, by the way, this you'll love this. You'll love this, uh, Russ. Um, the forecast calls for us to be up to 50 degrees on Monday. Yeah, same here. We're going to be like 51, 52. So, so it's going to be it's going to be a swing of almost 60 degrees within three or four days. Oh, I'm only going to be minus 20. <laughs> okay, but I, but Friday I'll be minus 12. There you go. Oh boy, here. they're having a heat wave. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, so he's the king of cold right now. I I. It, <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday is always a thing where I have some friends over, and yes, I have friends, and, uh, and they come over to watch the game. We order some pizza and wings. It's a it's a tradition. Yeah. Well, it's it's gotten to be a more expensive tradition as we've gone along, and, and this is how much. And I will not say the name of the of the uh, say of, the name. No, of the pizza place. Well, should I? You think I should? It's up to you. They're mob connected. They're, they're mob connected. So I'm, I'll, I'll, right, I'll or they use, or they used to, they used to be. Snitches anyway. get stitches. Don't do it, man. <laughs> very, very good pizza. Very good product. And we used to order from them all the time on Super Bowl Sunday, a sheet and fifty wings because it was four or five people, and that yep. was enough food to get us through and everybody to take a little home. And I stopped by this place a couple days ago to get a couple slices with the weather being bad. And, you know, I just, okay. Uh, by the way, what's the, how much for a sheet and 50 wings for Super Bowl Sunday? First of all, they jack up the prices for Super Bowl Sunday. That that's, that's number one on my, on my, uh, you're on my shit list meter. Yeah. Uh, second of all, when I asked the price, they come back with $80 American. For no. a sheet for a sheet pizza and 50 barbecue wings, $80 American. Here's what I, you do. That seems a little steep. Yeah, you hold up your middle finger, you <laughs> go and get a five-layer dip, some chips, some crab ragoon, some and you say, you know what, we don't have to do pizza and wings. We oh, just no, we're, we're, like we're gonna do we're gonna do pizza and wings, we're just gonna do it at another place, which the okay. price is basically half the price. I mean, well, I'm gonna tell you something worse. I'm gonna tell you something worse. On Twitter, Del Giorno, the frozen pizza company, <laughs> did a sponsored poll that <laughs> said which of the three types of their pizza should you get for the Super Bowl? And here is my thought. Look, we all eat frozen pizza, and that's fine. I'm not condemning you for doing that. I do it too. I, I, I may not eat the low-level frozen pizza, but I eat it. The idea is for the Super Bowl, if I'm having a party and I'm inviting over friends why in the world am I making frozen pizza? Because then they're going to just say I could do that at home. I like, would rather I would rather for selling that pizza. 
I would rather eat the cardboard box from the yeah. other pizza yeah. that I get than the than than the DiGiorno pizza. Yeah. I mean, it's it doesn't matter how much booze you have at that point. If you tell everybody you have Del Giorno pizza, they'll leave it. Peter, I don't know how these – you know that advertisers are liars because how anybody no. can say – how anybody could, they, can say to their to, – to, and have a straight face that they say, I thought this was – I thought this was regular pizza, not frozen <laughs> pizza. Yeah. You I've know what? Had, you know I, what the – the key to pizza – is dough that's the key any yes. moron dough and then second is sauce and after that it's open game but it is but it, there is a way to make the dough like you you a have to have the right dough but b yeah. there is a way where you see the guys spinning it and everything there is a method yeah. to it no 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 absolutely but you need quality dough in there right yes so i mean you can jazz up a frozen pizza we do it all the time sure. we buy these cheap frozen pizzas for my kids right okay you come yeah. back from basketball you're starving blah 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 Okay, throw in a frozen pizza, throw some better cheese on it, throw yeah. some better pepperoni on it, and you're off and running. Oh, yeah. yeah no, care. no, I mean, I mean, I, I like, okay. And clearly your kids are second-class citizens in that house, but that's okay. <laughs> well, I don't need to go and spend $40 on good Santa Lucia pizza here. Like. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, uh, because because even frozen pizza, the prices have gotten ridiculous. You go to the store, and it's like eight ninety nine for a frozen pizza that's the, the, the size of a yeah. small. From No, what I, what I do is I get those real cheap, like, Celeste pizzas that are like $1.25, and then I Put more cheese and and, pot and yeah. toppings on it, and they're pretty and they're pretty good. Not a bad idea. I I don't I don't get that though. I, I usually go on a notch or two above, and I'll spend the nine bucks. I don't care. But it, if I'm getting like a, a good like organic three cheese or spinach and cheese, something like that. Amy's has a good one. There's a bunch of good ones, or even a lot of a lot of companies own brands now. You can get organic yeah. for about that eight nine bucks. That's fine because a regular pizza is costing you like fifteen anyhow. Yeah, so I mean, but but never, 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 never try to tell me that there is a brand. I've never in my entire life had a slice of frozen pizza where I thought, "Wow, that's as good as." Yeah, yeah no, like, there's no, no such thing. No. I call bull crap on that. You know, you know what the mark of good pizza is? Honestly, this is the thing. Like, I mean, I know I shouldn't wade into the pizza debate. <laughs> You're getting into waters here. I understand you guys take this stuff really seriously. <laughs> but the mark of a good pizza is how good it takes tastes when you pull it out of the fridge the next morning oh, and you're No, that's true. That's if true. you're gonna have if you're gonna have it, you know, have have yeah. eggs on toast or a couple cold slices of pizza. That's your benchmark right there. That's fair. I rarely eat cold pizza. I still heat it up because I have a stone, even if it's for breakfast. But you're right. If it's good cold, it's good pizza. Yeah, I, I agree. And the, the the my favorite place in Buffalo, I've taken a, but I'll, I'll promote them because they're really good. Bocce Bocce Club Pizza, their pizza, they have the great sauce. And I always ask get a pizza with extra sauce. And the next morning, why? Hold on, hold on. Why extra sauce? Because some most places don't put enough sauce for a pizza. Really? I mean, the yeah. thing is, if you put too much sauce. They don't then put too much. Extra, extra sauce is just enough. Regular sauce. No, no, just like, hear me out. In your mind, it is. But if you put too much, what happens sauce. is, what happens sauce. is, yeah, the when the cheese has the the drip off that it inevitably is going to have for oil, then it's going to be a little slidey in the box when you, and it's going to take a while, like to eat it hot. It's going to be a mess. Like the fold over is not going to work as well. 
Yeah, no, it's it, it. I mean, first of all, it's not. This is not. This is not New York style pizza, so you don't fold it over. But it okay. doesn't. It doesn't slide off. It, it's not so much sauce that it's that it's really saucy and 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 gets gooey or gets. Uh, you know, I mean, this. Yeah, see, if we ordered a pizza together. I would do half. I would let you do your half extra sauce. I would eighty six the other extra sauce. I okay. Would. I don't know uh, how you could do extra sauce on a New York style pizza. Well, I'm just pointing out that on a, really on a New York style pizza. you can't. On a New York style you can't I, because there's barely sauce on a New York style pizza. It's yeah. it's almost there's like just enough. They make that yeah. ring of it and then they spread it out. And uh, one 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 non hockey sports note before we start. Uh, rumors are rust this morning that Bryce Harper is talking to the San Diego Padres. So I mean, talk about talk about talk about a potentially ruining your career he's not if, gonna do that do you not understand what scott boris is doing oh, i understand he's looking for somebody to, to jump start this the market. is like closing time at the bar and and really there's nobody who wants to take bryce harper for that contract so now he's going to other places that are willing to interview him and say they're interviewing him you will never hear an offer from the san diego padres for how much money they didn't offer bryce harper guaranteed well, they they did sign Hosmer last year, and that turned yeah. out to be wasted money. And then, yeah. you know, they're trying to compete with the Dodgers, but yeah. yeah, I just, you know, I'm just again sick of the whole situation. I can't believe that these guys might actually let like spring training open, and they may not be signed, and that's disgusting. Yeah. And if I were the the commissioner, I would come out and and just rip them, even though I can't do anything about it. I would rip them. The interesting thing now, and we'll we'll start after this, is that there are rumors out there that Machado and Harper may take one or two year deals at high high money at high AAV. Like I've heard Machado maybe taking a two year deal at forty million per, you know, because he doesn't want he doesn't like he doesn't see offers out there. He doesn't see the ten year offer out there. All he's seeing is six or seven years. At, at a lower amount, and he wants yeah, to make as much. I'm not paying a guy forty million to hit two thirty. I'm not. Well, I don't think Machado is going to two thirty. No, but. Machado will hit three hundred, but yeah. he's not going to hustle to first. Like neither of these guys, it's just it is amazing to me. Neither of these guys are all time players. Now Machado probably could be a Hall of Famer because he's on his way. I don't know Bryce Harper. Yeah, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. He's he's not much better than Mark McGuire. He's a run producer, yes. He's a, he gets better. I would say his RBIs are better than McGuire, but otherwise, other than being clean, he's not much different. I'd like to see I'd like to see Bryce Harper in Yankee Stadium with that that right field porch, but we're never going to see that anyway. All right, no, uh, here's the thing though yeah. about like baseball contracts. What blows my mind is the money is so vast mm -hmm. that you can take a two year contract of forty per. And okay, yes, you're not hitting the home run of the the hundreds of millions of dollars contract. Mm -hmm. But how much do you need? How much money do you need to 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 survive? If you're getting forty million dollars over two years, how much of that more do you need? You could, if you're that good, go win a go win a championship. Go, I agree. I always I, I don't Peter. get it because the well, money is so insane. I always Peter. say that. I always say if you like this is why Bryce Harper should stay with the Nationals. If you believe you're that good and worth that much. Take their three hundred million and make them a champion. But here's here, but here's the example of why. 
The Yankees offered Robinson Cano, who had won a World Series with them in 09. They had offered him a seven-year deal at $25 million per. It was a it was a respectable offer for a guy. And he should have taken it because he would have stayed in New York. He loved New York. Instead, yep. he was he was he was represented by Rock Nation by um, Jay Z. Uh, Jay-Z. And Jay Z found him a ten-year offer with Seattle at thirty million, at almost thirty million bucks, and he took the extra three years, and he took the extra few million dollars a year, and he and he never did anything for the for the Mariners. He got busted for steroids, and now the Mariners. Now he's are, a Met, so shut up, Mike. No, 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 and, and now the Mariners are paying three quarters of his salary and sent him back to the Mets who the I only know. reason they took him is because they're getting him for 25% of the price. The yeah, it's, it's like the Mets when they got Elliot Maddox. All right, let's move on. Come okay. On. A lucky world. <laughs> Today is January 31st, 2019. I'm Peter Tesse up in the deep polar vortex. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello under a snow blanket in Buffalo, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, we'll start with the always entertaining Columbus Blue Jackets because I just saw this comment. It was tweeted to us or a message to us from Anthony Mangione, one of our uh, frequent uh, temporary co-hosts. Uh, but apparently John Tortorella said his team played so poorly against Buffalo Sabres that he told reporters his team has no balls said they watched the tape this morning and called the, the effort against the Sabres embarrassing. Now, they lost, I think it was 5-4 to the Sabres. And the Sabres, they lost one nothing to Dallas last night, but the Sabres yeah. are only three points behind Columbus. And it's, you know, it's a 10-team race in the East. But let's concentrate yeah. on, on the Blue Jackets right I mean, now. I watched some of that game. Well, I, 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 I 40 I, minutes ago, Tortorella just said this in Winnipeg. It's a good team that we're playing. And it was a god awful team that I coached the other night. Hopefully, we'll answer the proper way. Torts was then asked if he feels the team feels the same way. They better, or they'll get their ass kicked. Like, <laughs> okay, but all right. So let's just dissect this a little bit. They're great. Quotes, I love Torts. I love Torts. But let's let's dissect this. So their compete level wasn't as good as Buffalo's the other night. That is true. And and actually, I thought I forget was it was it Carter Hutton that was in that for Buffalo? No, it was yeah. Allmark. No, it was Hutton. Oh, it was Hutton. Okay. Yeah. And and Hutton let up a softy too. He did, because I saw one that he definitely should have stopped that went under his and, leg. And then like 10 seconds later, they came down and 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 uh and Bobrovsky let in a softy where it yeah. slid over the goal line. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so but this is typical John Tortorello when he wants to shock the life in out of his team or into his team. It goes one way or the other to get him ready for what he deems as the playoff run. And we're noticing now that Com Torts is starting to leave because things are getting pressure starting to heat up. The rubber's hitting the road here. Yeah, the rubber's hitting the road. The expectations are high now. There's a lot of players not performing up to his expectations and maybe ours. But the idea is this. This is Tortorella basically amping up it's my way or the highway speech. And I got to tell you, these days, it's not a guarantee that it works anymore. It used no. to work. Yeah. No. no, I mean, that, that that may be the case, but, you know, he's got he's got a few tools in his tool bag and he's going to and he's going to use them. But I mean, it's not it's not un, it's not a coincidence that this is coming up 
in the wake of the discussion that happened between Daniel Milstein and and the uh, and the Blue Jackets regarding Panarin. Apparently, right. Panarin got booed during that game. I didn't I I didn't see that much. I heard I it. Some... I didn't hear. I didn't hear it in the game. I heard that that same report. Now, now this and this is the thing. And and um, I was telling you guys before we started recording that uh, I was listening to. Pierre LeBron and, Dan, and Darren Drager on uh, TSN radio out of Toronto. And they were essentially saying that the phone for Yarmo Kekalainen has not stopped ringing ever since that news came out. Yeah. And I can understand why. Maybe he uh, changed his number. I mean, that, yeah. that is a possibility. Yeah. Well, maybe, 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 he's, maybe he's got a new plan with, uh, <laughs> with T-Mobile or something, <laughs> but, 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 uh, but I, but just, just, I mean, you look at the situation with those with the two players that they have, Peter, and Bobrovsky is no, has some no trade, no move protection, and Panarin doesn't. And with the news of Panarin coming out, I mean, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I think it's starting to gain a little more momentum here. Is the fact that I just can't see Columbus keeping Panarin for a chance for what I think is a decreasing chance of them having a run in the playoffs. And what if, you know, what if they're borderline just to make the playoffs? What if they're in the wild card race and they're two or three points ahead and they miss the playoffs? I mean, that's a talk about worst case scenario an unmitigated disaster. They miss the playoffs and they keep Bobrovsky and they keep Panarin and they lose them for nothing in the summer. That's, that's a cluster. That is a chance. There is that chance. There's no question. I, it's, it's, this is, this is the risk, right? If you're sitting comfortably in third in in the uh, Metro, you're probably okay, but it's no one's comfortable right yet. Right. Like, and that's the challenge. I wouldn't want to be Yarmo right now. I, um, the, he's got, he's got two time bombs and they're going to go off, but no one knows where. Therefore, you don't know the damage that's going to happen when they go off. He's got to try and find a way to defuse them. And he's got two times, he's got two, he's got two dates, the trade deadline or before July 1st. Right. Right. Like that, that's it. And, and I don't know. I I mean, I wouldn't want to be him there. This is, this is totally different. If you're okay. Who would you rather be right now? Kyle Dubas with Marner and, and Matthews, Kevin Sheveldayoff with Connor and Liney, or Yarmo with Panarin and Bobrovsky. Well, I, mean, I don't even think that's close. I, exactly, because that's how that's how precarious it is for him with the stakes there. The one, although, the, although, the one, the one, the one is second worst in that conversation. Yeah, the one I'd want to be least is Yarmo. The one I'd want to yeah. be most is probably Dubas, and not because right. I'm I'm a Toronto. No, no, no. But but the thing is, I from every indication that there's they're very close on getting Matthews extended, yeah. and I don't believe, you know, in an offer sheet scenario that Marner will sign an offer sheet to leave Toronto unless they're completely lowballing him, and I don't think they they would be no. doing that. So yeah. if there is ever an offer sheet scenario, it's going to Matthews. So you lock him up first. Right. Marner's a local kid. It's his dream to play for the Leafs. He's playing with his boyhood hero, Tavares. It's, I mean, the, it's a storybook ending until right. he, he, he has a blood clot and never plays again. Like, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. Jeez, wow. Peter going dark. Usually it's me. <laughs> that's Sorry, that's for all the Leaf haters out there. Sorry, Sorry cousin Eddie. <laughs> so I will say this, though. 
we, we should talk about Liney a little bit because I did get a good yes. glimpse of him the other day. Yeah. But but finish, we'll, we'll come, yeah, let's go because I wrote we'll about him today in some challenges. Yeah, to finish so, back conversation out, to finish this conversation out, this is the hardest, really the hardest scenario in the NHL right now to figure out what is going to happen with the Blue Jackets and how will they do in the playoffs. And this is something that probably bothers Torts because he really doesn't have a ton of control in this. And this may be Torts may be trying to run his guys now extremely hot to see if he thinks they could play without Bobrovsky and Panarin. He's probably just trying to see what extra juice he can get out of some of his guys. Yeah. That's my read. Yeah, because the closer they get to being sort of teetering on the, you know, on, on the playoff, you know, being on the playoff bubble, then I think it just throws the whole situation in Columbus into I mean, really, I mean, into chaos because then Yarmo is going to really have to make, you know, if they're they're firmly entrenched in the playoffs, then he can say, okay, I'm going to keep Panarin. I know I'm probably going to lose him, but we're going to take a run. Everybody wants this team to win a first round. We, we need to. But if they're teetering on the brink, they cannot in their own, in any right mind, keep Panarin. Well, of course they can, Mike. They I mean, can, but they're, but they're dumb if they do, Russ. Well, they're dumb. We have to see how that plays out. I can't say that yet. Right. I mean, right now you've got Columbus at 59 points with 49 games. They're in the second wild card. They are one point behind Pittsburgh and Washington. So, I mean, right now the division is four points apart for the top three spots and and, and the second wild card. And Buffalo is at 56 and Carolina is at 54. So there's a little bit of a cushion, but not a lot. And not a lot. We'll, we'll, I mean, we'll, Caroline has made up some ground. I will give him credit. Yeah, we'll play a little ask the GM type of game uh, okay. later in the show. But let's go to the Jets because um, first let's talk about Line A because I, I watched a lot of that Winnipeg-Boston game. and That was a really entertaining game with some yeah. fights and some physical aspect to it, Peter. And the one thing that right after the game I realized was that Line A played 10 and a half minutes. And didn't look really that engaged in that game. One minute in the second period. Just wow. over a minute four, I think, in the second period, too. He got benched. Liney, the, the people... Okay, I, I wrote about this today, so if you go on to HockeyBuzz.com, you can sort of look at some things in there, a little more number detail. So I won't even bother getting into some underlying number thing, sure. numbers issues because it's all in the block. Go to the block. Okay. Right. The issue at hand here with Line is are is he culpable or is the situation he's in the problem? And the situation is why will Paul Maurice not break up Wheeler and Shifley, the dynamic duo of the Jets, the straw that stirs the drink, put it however you want. He will not break them up. So he won't move Line A up and move Wheeler down or Wheeler over or something. He won't, he just won't do it. But what happens is, is he keeps recycling things. And what he's done with when, you know, to put Ehlers back as healthy, the only thing he does is he uses the left wing position with Shifley and, and Wheeler almost as a reward tool. Oh, you're going, you're going well. Okay. You get to go play up with these guys. Yeah. And, oh, you're not. Okay. Well, you're going to go down. So he's just moving Ehlers and, and Connor up. So since Ehlers has been out, they moved Jack Roslovich up and they've got Line a on his off wing, which is the left side. The real interesting thing about this is, okay, so so th th that's fine. So Roslovich in there. Roslovich 
has a lot of tools, but he's being forced into areas where he's not quite ready yet. He's, he's not still, quite ready. I saw him play the there. other day. He's not. He's there. not there, is he, Russ? He isn't. No. He he can get there. Yes, but he's not there. Right. So the one guy that they won't move, who is the guy who also stirs the straw, the straw that stirs the drink on the Jets in possession, is Matthew Perot. If you move Perot up to play with Little and Line A, you've got two guys who can get the puck, one who's incredibly good at puck retrieval. He's the best on the Jets. And then Line A can do his thing. But until you figure out what, until you get through to Line A about how he has to play as an individual, where he has to be, you need to support him or you're going to have to sit there and go, we're not getting the most out of this talent. And yes, his talent is is fairly one-dimensional right now. Let's not let's not go and, and pretend, oh, he's just having a, a bit of a bad run with this, that, and everything. No, it's it's pretty one-dimensional. He's a scorer. But for scorers to score, a whole bunch of other things have to happen. And and I think all the comparisons to Ovechkin and stuff are a little unfair. Ovechkin's a, a scoring savant. Like he's he's like Phil Kessel. Like you know, th th there are these guys who do things in spite of themselves, right? Like and 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 Ovechkin's a physical specimen too, comparatively to Line. So yes, he's got a shot. Yes, he can snipe, but he doesn't have any of the physical attributes that Ovechkin has in his toolbox. So now you've got to find a way to get him to do things or get him the puck so you can use that until you get him to change. And players don't normally change mid-season, right? They don't all of a sudden, their game doesn't radically shift. It takes an off-season to work on stuff and change the way your stride works, change the way you look at the ice and move. So why doesn't that happen? So yeah, Line A is not playing well. Um he's being um and he's starting to get some attention and and fans are noticing it um one of the guys in 1290 yesterday came on and said he goes i am tired of patrick line's problems being blamed on brian little because that's who he plays with it's really interesting like it, it's definitely a debate point and line has got to he's got to see this that he's got to wear some of this on his shoulders and recognize doing the same thing and hoping it changes isn't enough Okay, so in the game against Philly, he played almost 20 minutes. He he played a lot of power play. That's why he played almost 20 minutes. He had six shots on goal. He was a minus three. But what I noticed on the ice was a lack of confidence. He would get the puck, and if he didn't quickly shoot it, he almost didn't know what to do with it. He wasn't making any passes. He His passing was bad. Like, it was just legit awful. And yeah. so I think it's more than just being engaged at this point. He is 20 years old mm -hmm. and he's making yeah. bad decisions with the puck. Yes. He's making bad decisions like, with the puck. Don't like, let's not sugarcoat it. No, no, no that's true. <laughs> and that's where I'm getting at. Yeah. So, but you can't, you can't really bench him. Right. Because if you bench him, it's not really going to help him. But if a guy's making, if a fourth liner is making bad decisions, you're benching them or you're yes. taking them out and swapping them in. The Jets are missing Ehlers and they're missing Bufflin, two play drivers. So you need to find a way to get the guy who knows how to put the puck in the net. But that's the why you can't bench him. That's why you can't bench him. If you bench him, you'll have a David Quinn lineup in there. Yeah. Right. So you've got to adjust your roster, but Maurice seems unwilling to change anything. He's always been stubborn. Always, and always, always. Exactly. 
and, yeah, and, and this is the controversy right now. And he probably wants Line A to sort of mold himself the way he the way he imagines mm -hmm. him to be more be more of a two line a two two way yeah. player. You know, not be as much of a liability defensively. Yeah, I mean, but you need you need him to continue to score to score goals, so, and it's it's similar to what Babcock was doing well, in Toronto. Whenever Nealander would have bad give giveaways in the, over the last few years, or even Marner at, or at, at a point last year, he put them on the fourth line. They didn't belong I'll, on the fourth line. I'll tell you line. what I would do. Why not have Connor with him? Connor is full, fully so, capable of getting guys going. He's a great passer. He has great yeah. vision. And Line A could feed off of him. Yeah. So I, I took a look at that. And let me, I'll pull, I'll give you, I'll just give you the sort of where, let me just look at it because I put it up in the blog. When those two are together, Russ, um, so when it's not that great, it, it just, it, it really doesn't work. Like there's something there that doesn't work. And I'm not sure. Well, maybe it's Connor, whoever the center is. It might and so on. it goes back to, then you go back to Brian Little. That's right. why I say Little's game is changing a little bit. You know, he's getting a little long in the tooth, so to speak, yes. at, at 30 years old or whatever. But that's why I'm saying bring in a guy like Perot who has that aspect to his game of getting the puck and get and letting other and he can get the puck and get it out while other guys get to where they need to be. Yeah, and, and ironically, I that, that need, sorry, that, I don't think they need an expensive playmaker. I think that's they just need a guy who is pass first. That's what they yes. Need. Well, that's exactly. that, that's what oh, I mean, Blake Wheeler. That, that's what that's what Ray Ferraro was saying because um, yeah. he yeah. he made some comments after the Jets Bruins game. One of the things he thought he says he thinks Little's still a good player, but he's not enough of a of a playmaking center. That that he thinks that the that the, the Jets need. And he says, you know, Stasny was that to a certain extent, but his speed was not up there. And they really need somebody to be so a player between Shifley and between Little that could provide that playmaking aspect. I, I would assume for Line A because they need Line A to score goals. The other thing he said is that Line A slump right now, in a way, might be back in, in a backhanded way, might be a good thing for the Jets because. Right now, Line A has no leverage whatsoever to be asking for an eight-year max deal at yeah. $10 million. Don't kid yourself on that one. I was with Ray right up until that point. Like, I just – to me, that's the least of it. Because, you know what? Even if he doesn't have the season he had last year, his agent's not just going to say, oh, yeah, we'll we'll shave off two, three million off the off the <laughs> offer because – he didn't have a great year. That's not going to happen. Well, no, and not, not on an eight-year deal. But what ha what may happen is a lot of these teams. We're seeing it with Matthews. We're seeing it with Marner. We're seeing it with some of the other RFAs. Teams more than likely are going to go shorter because it's going to be cheaper. And maybe that's the way yeah. the Jets will go. Maybe they'll go five years. Maybe they'll go six years with Line A because maybe they're not sure of what exactly they have. Yeah, they know what they and have. They got it. A guy with an elite shot. You know, this is. He's the twenty-year-old version of Alex Ovechkin, except Ovechkin took Can't longer, speak. longer to get into that slump mode. And when Ovechkin was in that slump mode, the same talk happened. But eventually, he broke out of it. And again, he's had what three or four great seasons since then. Guys go in slumps; it happens. Yeah, like right now, Line A, and I think his last fifteen games is shooting five percent. Right, like so. Yeah. There, there's some of that there too. Like he's had some looks. Like he hasn't not had looks. He's just not shooting. Mm -hmm. He's just not getting luck. But now, have, have there's they, other aspects to his game that have to improve. Have they changed where he sits on the power play? 
they moved him in into the low slot where Shifley was for a bit okay. and they moved Shifley out. And so one of the things that Shifley's much better at in the line A is he doesn't need the wind up or the space because he's not right. as lengthy, right? But it, it, it changed how they defend teams defended against him and it worked for a little bit. Now they moved him back. I think one of the things with line A is, is that he's thinking, well, someone's just going to thread a pass to me. And teams know that if we can just take that pass away, right? He can't create. For he's got to move right. a little bit higher. I, uh, he, I, I've suggested that he needs to move a little higher up to the top of the circles and over to the center a little more, so that pass can be a little quicker. Well, yeah, I mean, because right, but remember, he can't just is, be static, and that's his, what's his spot. His spot has always been the left half boards moving up to the point yeah. for that one time. Or I remember him scoring many that one yeah. game. The, the one game against the Leafs where he scored the hat trick, he scored all three goals from that from yeah. that spot. So what he does need what he probably needs, and again, this is a lot to get Line A going, is Wheeler on one side, Connor on the other, because these are guys that are really good passers, but also draw attention to themselves and yeah. players, and then can get him for his open shots. Like I didn't see enough rotation on the power plays that I even liked it when they played and lost against Philly. Well, Peter, look, that was a bad game. I mean, that was just. Everybody in the locker room knew it. They couldn't wait to get out of Philly. They knew that that was a bad game. But now is it becoming just a bad system? It could be. Let, let me know. ask you this, Peter, because I mean, well, this will sort of lead into our uh, you know, being playing the GM uh, game that we've been doing. Because the interesting thought, and I read, I think it was a Pierre LeBrun piece in The Athletic, about the potential of a sort of a war between Nashville and Winnipeg. Whereas Nashville has got some cap room to make a make a move, and they probably are going to try to get themselves one more scoring forward to do what Winnipeg did last year with Stasny. You know, give up a prospect, give up it for a front pick, make a run for it this year while they've got everybody under contract, where they got everybody. You know, they, they, they're they're poised to do that. And there's been some talk about Matt Duchesne. There's been some talk about even Panarin that they, they believe that they have the cap room. Would Shevel Day off if if Nashville does that counter that move? Because I mean they that's their main competition in the central. Say that again, Mike. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I don't think Kevin Shevel Day off will go into an arms race. I no. think he will look at what makes his team better for the right reasons. Uh, the, so there's some rumors going uh, rumors going around. One of them is that they have scouts looking at teams, and I've heard this from sort of a, a person who's got a connection, hasn't been totally wrong on some things, and has been closer to right than, mo than more people, that they've been going around, and some of the teams they've been looking at are, have some players that might have an extra year of term. So, it, which speaks to a lot of moving parts, right? Right. So, that might be, and, and maybe they felt that with the success they had with Stasny, that he would have stayed. And if they have another guy with term, they got another chance to do it given the roster they have. So they don't want to take the risk of losing for nothing right. thinking, and, and maybe that's sort of the bit that stings a little bit feeling they really did. They really were going to be able to keep Stasny and they didn't. So maybe they want to get someone with another year on there. Which I don't know. 
Which is the same, which is the same philosophy that Dubis pr practice with Muzzin. It's like, okay, we're going to give up a first round pick. We're going to give up a good defense, a, yeah. good, a forward prospect in, in Grundstrom. We want to get and a, and a defensive prospect in Jersey. We want to get somebody who's not just going to help us for two months. Yeah. He's going to help us for two playoff runs and maybe even more if they can convince Muzzin to sign a contract, you know, yeah. and stay, stay in, stay with Toronto for another couple of years. So I mean that's only that's only good sense. I mean I, I think that the the ship is sort of you know that the it's sort of past now where everybody's going to just continue to ramp up unless it's a uh, an offer for a rental unless it's a very special rental like a yeah. Panarin. If it's yeah. a Panarin, and, then and and, and I know. think GMs are getting wise to what the value of draft picks are too. One. Oh, yeah. Trading for them and getting a, a a 25th or below is essentially just getting a high second round pick. Correct. Right. And and but also there's a lot of there's GMs who are also learning that if I've got a pick in in that that say that 12 to 24 area, if my scouts and my team are doing it right, I can still get a really good player in there and someone that can be on my roster in, in two to three years that is serviceable and I have control over versus giving out a rental. Well, it, it's it's interesting, and uh, Act wrote about this in his blog today. Is sort of like the 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 post Muzzin fallout, and one of the teams that uh, there was. I mean, and there may still be potential because you don't know what Vancouver is going to be or where they're going to be on February twenty fifth. But right now, uh, you know, Alex Edler was supposed to be one of the defensemen who might be might have been traded uh, out of Vancouver. But you know the Canucks are in the playoff race right now, and according to the, I think it was Ian McIntyre out of sport for from Sportsnet, who is reporting that Benning is is concentrating on trying to sign Edler to an extension. Now, if they can't get it's sort of sort of similar to to Panarin in the sense, if they can't get him signed before February 25th, and they start to fall back a little bit, does that change? Do they say, okay, we're going to trade you? Or I know that Edler has some sort of no trade or no move protection, but he could sign back in Vancouver next summer. I mean, what's, you know, why, why wouldn't you explore that? I mean, if, it, yeah. I mean, you want to keep them, but you also want to get as much as you can for him too. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, someone like Edler is a player who there's still an appetite for in the market. I don't know if you, how many opportunities you're going to have to trade in Alex Edler, and like players like him in the future, because again, teams are getting smarter. They're looking at this and you might not be able to capitalize on, on this again, because uh, that's I don't know. They did what, you know, teams did with him used late in his career. They probably can with Edler too. Yeah, that's a, that's a point. Uh, that's a good point, but not for maybe, I mean, what's Edler going to get you a high second. Yeah. But I mean, at that time, it's probably good. I think right but, now, but if you you look at Vancouver, that's exactly what they should be acquiring. I, um, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. I think they're going to keep Edler based no, on what I think they probably, are too. They're yes. probably going to keep him, but, uh, but honestly though, I mean, look again, look at the UFA rental market in terms of defensemen. Carlson's not getting moved. Gardner. I think the Leafs should address that and, and maybe do it, but they probably won't. They'll probably consider an own rental. Anton Strawman's not moving. Then it's Bo Meester, Nicholas Cronval and Edler. I mean, it's not a great market. So if there's a team that needs a defenseman out there, and I think Edler's a top four, they could probably get a low first. They probably could. So, yeah. but, but that, but that's, that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, but what's Edler's cost. Did we get, did we say that already? His salary. I think he's in the fours. Yeah. He's so worth it. Like I, he's staying. 
Well, I mean, it depends on what he's going to get on on an extension. I mean, I mean, yeah, but he'll still be reasonable. He's not a superstar, but he's not a lower level guy either. He's one of those he, mid guys that has he's at five. Money. He's at five million even. That's his salary. Yeah, he's going to still be reasonable on his next deal too. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go back. Let's go back to Panarin for our our uh, GM game here because I've heard two. I've heard two things about Panarin, and one will lead us into our uh, into our uh, a little prospect uh, thing that we've been doing, and the other one has been out there for about twenty four hours, and I don't know how realistic it is. It's just everybody is talking about the Bruins and Panarin and putting two and two together, and the fact that the Bruins are looking for a left winger for their second line with Krejci and DeBrusque to take some offensive pressure off of the the Bergeron Marchand. Pasternak line and Panarin would be a perfect fit for that. And I, I, I would grant you that that it would be. And I think that teams like Tampa and Toronto would be a little afraid if they actually got Panarin as a secondary offensive weapon. But what would the what would the Bruins have to give up to get Panarin? I'll 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 play uh, I'll play Yarmo Kekalainen. All right, I'll okay. you play Don Sweeney. I'll be Don Sweeney. Okay, so oh, he's much smarter than I am. He's a Harvard grad. I'm not. Well, Yarmo is a lot more finished than I am. Okay. So, so okay. So what? What are what are you looking for? What what do you what do you? I mean, what what are you willing to offer me for Panarin? Okay, for Artemi Panarin, I will give you Jack Stanika, uh, Danton Heinen. And a like fourth round pick to make you feel warm and wow. all right. First of all, that's I my opening offer. It's your it's your opening offer. It's an insult, but it's an opening offer. Um, now I I think that first of all he he's going to want a player off of the NHL roster. Dan so, Heinen's on the roster. Dan, Dan Heinen is is on the NHL roster. I would prefer Jake DeBrusque, but okay, DeBrusque uh, is an untouchable. So go for DeBrusque someone. DeBrusque is an untouchable. So, um. I think he's going to want a first-round pick. I might be willing to do a conditional first. That's fine. Conditional first and a a grade A level prospect. So we're talking. We're talking three pieces for Panarin. It's gonna. It, this thing. It's gonna well, hurt. The other two pieces, and then I'll counter you. It's gonna hurt if it's the Bruins to get Panarin. They're gonna have to give up something that they probably don't want to give up. I would say. Uh, let's see. Trent Frederick, a first-round pick, and I'd be willing to take Heinen, but I think they would probably want something more than Heinen. All right, I'll tell you what. I'll give you the first. I'm going to pull back Frederick, and and why don't I give you – I'll give you Studnika, and I'll give you Vakanainen. That's it, though. That's my final offer. I I, I actually think that, uh, that uh, Yarmo would do that because – with with Ryan with Ryan Murray up as an RFA, yeah, and with um, Warinsky as an RFA, the price tag is going to go up. And Vakaninen's an yeah. NHL defense. He could put it. He could plug Vakaninen into his NHL lineup and trade a David Savard and save money. And I'm only giving you Stanika because I'm figuring you don't want Forsback or Carlson or Bjork because they haven't really even Donato hasn't really proved anything yet. Stanika is the hot commodity. Yeah, I mean, I think I think 
you know, I think that that uh, Yarmo would want somebody for the NHL roster. Um, but if he got two high prospects, well, like, Mark and could be on the NHL roster, right? But I'm talking about a forward to replace, to, to yeah. sort of replace replace Panarin in the top. Well, he's got a forward. They already have a forward. They're not really utilizing right in Sonny Milano, and he could yeah, just- but the, but they're not utilizing him for a reason, Russ, because Sonny Milano doesn't fit what. Tortorella has in mind in terms of an NHL forward. That, I guess he did when he had 14 goals last year. Right, but 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 if he's not playing well, him now, then give it another go. You know what I mean? Like that's some something that that might have to happen because he's he's almost a point a game in the A. I mean, you have to give him another look. Yeah. Now, okay, let's let's flip that and it, it, it being the Islanders because I know that Ak has mentioned the Islanders and Panarin and. Um, um, I guess I'll stick being Yarmo and and uh, Peter. Do you want to do you want to be uh, do you want to be uh, Lou Lamorello or do you have too much do you have too much hair? Uh, I'll, I'll take a stab at it, but yeah, <laughs> okay. this this could be tough. Um, okay. so I mean, I'll I'll make the opening ga- gambit here. If I'm if I'm Yarmo and I'm talking to the Islanders, um, I, I want again, I want your first round pick. Yeah. Um, I probably want. One of your guys that you took in the first round last year, which is either Dobson or Wallstrom. Although Russ, well, it's when we talk about the prospects, uh, I know that Russ has said yeah. Wallstrom's not having a good year, the year this year. Yeah. So I would probably lean toward Dobson, and then I'd want uh, an Anthony Bovillier, somebody who could play is in the NHL right now, who's showing that he can do something. And he's an RFA next year, so you could sign him to a nice deal, but it's not right. going to break you. Right. Yeah. That would be that would be what I'd be asking for. Yeah, I don't I, I don't think don't. it's a bad ask. Okay. Um I'd probably I don't know the Flyers prospect or the um Islanders prospects that well, but I, I, I'd probably say I'd probably try and Jedi you and say, you know, <laughs> the perfect coach for Josh Hosang is Tortorella. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but who else are you throwing and, in there and give you that? a hosang and try and reduce it to a second <laughs> no he's not doing that no because i don't know i, I don't you know i don't i'm not familiar with the islanders prospects or that's fine I, i'll i'll work it for you okay. yeah you, he, Russ, russell, 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 v's assist, russell russell v david conti here yeah i i hosang's not a bad idea no because, I, I mean in addition to other guys like yeah. i'm just saying take I, the first I just, I, I just think Hosang and Tortorella. <laughs> I just it, it it you know what it strikes me of it's like Nagasaki. It could be yeah. like an atomic explosion. Oh, yeah, Krakatoa, Mount Torts. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I it, it's it that, that's potential really potentially. Really I would, but you know what? But you don't know that. I mean, I would do. They might take might take someone like Hosang, Dobson, and a conditional first. Mm-hmm. If you sign him now, if they don't want Hosang, that's fine. I'll pull him back. Uh, and, and the and the first becomes a second if he's a rental. Yeah, and I'm trying to think off the top of my head forward wise. See, I don't think Wallstrom. I mean, I'll give you Wallstrom if you want him. I mean, I'll right. throw. I'll give you Wallstrom. I, I think that's close. I, I you know, I mean. Especially since I think you're getting the one with the Islanders because I think Panarin would sign there. I think Lou. I think there's no way Lou makes the deal unless he didn't think he had a better than 50-50 chance of signing him to an extension. Yeah. Now, what might happen in that is if I'm giving you Wallstrom, I'm probably going to pull Dobson back and probably put 
Bodie Wilde in there instead. Okay, well, let's yeah. let, let's let's that's go, what I would do. Let's go from this to our because so here here's the offer. So it's Bodie Wilde, yeah, Wallstrom, and a conditional first. I'd probably want. I'd probably want either Bovillier or Dobson in, 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 instead of one of those guys. No, I'll give you Bovillier. I'm not going to give you Dobson. I'll give you Bovillier and Wild and a conditional first. I mean, Wild's yeah. more than a point a game in, in the OHL this year. I, I think I, I think they would probably do that. Yeah. Okay. Now, okay, talking about the Islanders, because it's very possible they're going to make some sort of deal before the deadline. We we talked about it on, on previous shows. We've, they've got a couple UFAs. We don't know if they're going to keep them. If they're, I think they're going to trade Everly. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know if that means they're going to trade uh, also Brock Nelson or, or Anders Lee. I think they're buyers and sellers. But if they're buying, Russ, who do you think are the guys they avoid trying to trade? Dobson would be one of them. Yeah, I think Dobson they would avoid trying to trade. I think – the only way they're trading wild is if in there's somebody so good like like a Panarin and they really believe they could sign him that maybe they would throw him in there because he's just been tremendous. I mean, I was always a big fan of Bodie Wild because not only could he bring the puck up and and have a physical edge, but he also has really good a really good shot and good offensive ability. The, the downside for Bodie Wild was maybe we would get a little too crazy sometimes with passes and occasional turnovers, but you know, he seems to have reeled it in this year. Dobson, as an example, though, right now he's a point of game. He, he got traded to Ruin Miranda and he's a point of game. I, I knowing that he is a guy that when he's he's six three and he's still under, you know, 190 pounds, or he's right at 190, he's gonna come in at two two ten someday. And I I'm not giving that up. So yeah, I mean, I bet that's I've never seen something that was so clear by just seeing somebody at the uh, draft yeah. combine last June. Yeah. I, I looked at I looked at Dobson, I looked at Russ, and I said, he's got the frame. He just doesn't yeah. have the he he's going to need like two or three years of just like physical development and you know working with uh, you know put just putting putting you know, drinking protein shakes and putting on and adding muscle because once he does that. But he he just looked like he looked sort of waifish. Yeah. Uh, at the draft at the draft combine. No, and I think that's fair. I think Kiefer Bellows is an untouchable because not because of what his offensive output might be, but because he's a trots kind of guy. And if yeah. you're going to turn someone into Tom Wilson, it's Kiefer Bellows. And and he you fits. Think he can be that. You think he can be that that much of a physical? Oh yeah, yeah. Kiefer Bellows when he hits you, man, it's a ton of bricks, and he's really strong already. And his skating is better, and he has a great shot. He's so not he, he's, he's not very tall, but he's a fight. He's like a fighter. No, no, but he's really solid. Like he yeah. he's not. I mean, he's six one, but he's over two hundred pounds already, and yeah. really knows how to check. So, I think you can't trade Kiefer Bellows based on that. Plus, you know, Clutterbuck's getting older, so somebody's got to replace that role, and Kiefer Bellows is probably that guy. I think. You know, it's interesting about Robin Sallow. I think he might – you might be able to get Robin Sallow because he's from the previous regime. Mm -hmm. And there's some things to like about him. But, you know, he is only 20. He's still playing overseas. He's not your typical offensive defenseman. He is not that. But he's more of a defensive defenseman. And he is a good skater. He's played in World Juniors and such. I like him. So I think I think that's a guy you could get from him. I do think you can get Bavolier from him if it's someone like Panarin. 
but only if it's someone like that, because otherwise they have them under control. They don't want to necessarily give up a guy with offensive scoring ability that is under their control to get a guy for a big contract, you know? Uh, we'll take a few questions in the chat. Just a little news that just came over the wire. Uh, Antoine Vermette uh, is retiring after 14 seasons. He was a free agent and didn't, um, didn't get, didn't any, get any bites. Yeah, didn't get any offers. And the funny thing was, is like I, I, he was one of the guys that when I was like, you know, say, suggesting a fourth line center possibility for the Leafs, it was Vermette strictly on his faceoff ability. He's like yes. a. Six, 60% face-off guy last year. It was unbelievable. But I know, he's a great face-off guy. I think he just slowed down. Yeah. Too much. yeah. Yeah, he slowed down to the point where, you know, I mean, he just couldn't keep up with the pace. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's somebody that uh, – there's somebody who would make a second a second uh, career out of being a roving face-off coach to NHL teams. He really yeah. could. Bermitt had 17 goals in 2015-16 with the Coyotes. Yeah. 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 It's opportunity, Peter. Like that yeah. team had so much ice time and power play time. Yeah. To yeah. That's he true. Was playing, he was playing basically second line center for them. Yeah. So yeah, he yeah. got a lot. Of, got a lot of opportunity. But yeah, and so I mean, good career. He played with the Senators, Blue Jackets, Coyotes, Blackhawks, and Ducks. Um, yeah, good career. He won a Stanley yeah. Cup. So no, um, very good career. I can't say anything bad. I like Vermette. Just yeah, it's just his time. So all right. Yeah. Any questions, Russ? All right. So Jonas asked, do, do Shanahan and Dubas pull all the strings possible to sign Adam Fox? He really seems like a Dubas-type player. I think pulling all the strings first has to mean that Adam Fox either comes out and says he's not going to sign with Carolina. Right. And this is only after he decides he's going to turn pro. And the problem with it is he's he doesn't know where he's at. So there's no way the Leafs could have a plan for Adam Fox yet because Adam Fox doesn't have a plan for Adam Fox yet. I, I agree with that, but but in theory, what what you're saying is, I mean, okay, Adam Fox, wherever he's going to go, is going to sign for an entry level deal. It'll probably be, I think, I think I mean, the not next. Or I mean, yes, even if it it's has, Carolina, it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll probably it'll probably be. I think for for college free agents. It, the max is two years, so you're talking right. up. You're talking a contract nine hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Where where the difference is, and this is where teams will get the advantage or disadvantage, is offering the schedule A and schedule B bonuses. And or, you know, or the other advantage is if Carolina says, "Hey, if you're done with Harvard, you can come up this year, play like the last ten games of the year. We'll burn and, a year of your and burn a year of your deal." Right, but but that that's I mean, okay. You're looking, and there's been instances in the past where players, and I'll use Zach Hyman as a, as an example. Zach Hyman was drafted as a center. Yep. Uh, he played for University of Michigan. He yep. was drafted by Florida, I think, in the fifth round. And he looked at Florida's depth chart at, at center with Trocek, with Barkov, with Nick Bukestad. I think this was before they drafted Borgstrom. So, you know, and he said, I'm never going to make the NHL playing for Florida. So he decided he was, after his senior year at Michigan, that he was going to turn pro and that he was, or obviously turn pro after his senior year, and that he wasn't going to sign with them because he, his opportunity was in there. And then the, the Leafs ended up trading for his draft rights. I think, uh, Greg McKagan, a low round draft pick, but he had, he, he saw opportunity with the Leafs. Now there are other teams out there that need defense the way, as much as Toronto. Say, I don't like what you're saying about my friend, Greg McKagan. I put a nice picture up online with me and Greg when I was interviewing him. 
showing people I could be nice to a Leaf, and here you are disparaging a buddy of mine. He's a former Leaf, so I have no, I have no care for him whatsoever now. No, just, <laughs> just kidding, Greg. No, but, 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 basic. But, but, what I'm saying is that players are looking at opportunity with the organizations that have their rights. And Adam Fox, if he looks at right now with with the Hurricanes, with Slavin, Falk, uh, Jake Bean. Dougie Hamilton, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Hayden Fleur. They're, they're so loaded with defense. I mean, he may have to spend a year or two in the American Hockey League before they think – before or, or at least a year, whereas with other teams – at 21 or 22 years old, they may say you're ready to, you know, we'll we'll give you that shot at the NHL right now. And Toronto probably would be one of those teams. I think Buffalo and other teams would be, you know, there's a lot of teams out there looking for defense. So, yes, I I think the difference will be opportunity and the fact that the team will offer them bonuses, a schedule A and schedule B bonuses. But he'll be very popular. He'll be as popular as Will Butcher. Yeah. All right. So. Next one, and there's a bunch of guys. I mean, I've already named three this year. You know, there could be four or five really good players, but I don't know if they're all going to happen this year. So we'll, um, I'll be watching for that. That'll, that'll be what we talk about in August on the Buzzcast. Yeah, Robert yeah. wants to know if the Flyers trade Simmons to Nashville, what would the return be? I think you could get Kevin Fiala yep. and Grant Mismosh and maybe like a conditional second. Or Fiala and a guaranteed first. That I think you can you could get Wayne Simmons for that. Now, do you think Fiala is somebody that the Flyers would want, or would they? Yeah, be because I think you could. I think you could put Fiala with with Claude Giroux, and I think you'd have a little magic there. Instead of, I mean, do you think? Do you do you think that, that would be my way of Mike easing out Jake Voracek in the summer if I can? Okay, because I mean, th there are some people who think that Fiala has proven he is what he is at the NHL level, and a guy like Tolvanen has At 22? I can't say that. I, I know, but, but I'm just saying what I've what I've heard from other other commentators. Yeah. And that Tolvanen has got more upside. And te teams would probably prefer Tolvanen because he's an unknown mm. commodity. Here's the thing about Tolvanen. Yeah. He's always had a shot, and he's a one-dimensional guy. So that shot – a little bit like Patrick Line, but Line obviously is bigger and physical. Mm -hmm. But Tolvanen, if, if he's not scoring, he's not helping you. He's a good skater, but he's not. He doesn't play defense, and he's not really helping you. You saw in the World Juniors, and I got questioned by our own chat room. And all I can say to you is, when I said he wasn't an elite scorer because he didn't have a good World Juniors, did he? Right, he didn't. And so he has to really get that shot back. If he doesn't. You've got nothing, and that's why I don't think the Flyers would go for him. Okay, next question. Next question. Uh, Carson wants to know, Furland to Pittsburgh or Nashville, what would the deal look like? Pittsburgh would not want Furland. I, and actually, I don't think either team would want him. I think Furland's been exposed here, and I think teams are going to be very leery of getting him. And those two teams have enough guys – that I think Furlan wouldn't add much to them other than size. Uh, well, I mean, I, Peter, the 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 Alexiak deal that was made a few days ago, yeah. everybody's assuming, and it makes sense, that Rutherford is prepping for it to make some other deal because he cleared $2.1 million in salary. And I, ironically, Russ, I didn't know about this until I, I listened to uh, – to Steve Dangle's podcast yesterday, uh -huh. the, the the draft pick 
that Dallas sent to Pittsburgh was the exact same draft pick that Pittsburgh yeah, sent yeah. to Dallas. So it was. it was essentially like they rented him for a year for nothing. Yeah, you borrowed ten bucks, you paid it back. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, I yeah, think American, not like I borrowed from Peter and he paid me back in Canadian. I want to be clear about that. <laughs> I, I think. Oh, trust. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Hey, this that, that mean that means when we, we're buying him dinner in, in Vancouver in June, it'll be I'm like buying a, him dinner anyhow. It doesn't matter at a seventy percent discount. I'm just kidding. Oh, no, I but, know. Uh, I no, can't wait but, to show you where we're going. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but but this but this is the thing. Um, I don't think that the need for the crying need for the Penguins is a forward. I think right. the need is a, is on defense. And we're talking, you know, they may be trading Broussard to, you know, they, they're possibly clearing out. They may be making themselves a little thin up front, but I think that they really need a defenseman. And that's why, you know, I, I Russ and I were speculating like somebody like Shattenkirk, but I, I think, I think that they're going after a defenseman. I think that Rutherford is aiming to add on the blue line with, you know, who knows what, when Justin Schultz is coming back. I heard he's skating, but I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. Mata is not, has not been the guy, you know, I think they're looking for a defense. Like I want to just give you an example, like with Nashville right now, we know what's happening with Austin Watson, but let's say he gets things cleared up and he comes back. Is Michael Furlan much better than Austin Watson? I mean, he's got a few think, more goals. I think he's a better scorer, Russ. I yeah, but not a lot. Not a lot. Well, I can, I can tell you that they're that the talk about Furlan is that he's going to get at least they're going to get at least a first round pick and a prospect for him. That's they're, they're, talking, about, they're talking about Furlan in the same breath as Wayne Simmons. Yeah, you. It's not. It's not even close. Michael Furlan has three goals in thirteen games in the playoffs, and Austin Watson has nine goals. Hold on. I just lost the page. Has uh sorry, nine nine goals in thirty-five games. So really Michael Furland is less of a goal scorer in the playoffs than Austin Watson. Peter, if you're if you're Rutherford, are you going after a Furland or are you going are you going to bol bolster your blue line? Sorry, say that if again, please. If you're Jim Rutherford, are you going after Furland or are you going after somebody to, to bolster your blue line? Pittsburgh. Ay, ay, ay. Maybe both. I don't know if he has the yeah, assets. Yeah, they, they don't. They don't have the cap space. Yeah, they don't have the cap space. I think. I think. I think. Given what they've done in the past, where if they can split up and have the right complementary pieces between Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel, they can run. They can run their three forward lines well. So he's probably going to go with blue line. Okay. Well, All right. Good. Next question from Esmir. Would the Isles look at Goldobin from Vancouver? I don't think so. Even though Esmir thinks he would fit in Trotz's system, I'm not so sure about that just yet. At this point, Trotz really hasn't shown me the ability to want to teach a lot of young players right now. And he's got a pretty veteran team there. I don't think he's going to take a guy who you could say, hey, Barry, he'll develop into your system. I just don't think he, he wants to deal with that, to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll save this for tomorrow. There was a statement that was just released that I, 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 I don't want to talk about it without going, going into it. We're, we're at the end of the show and, uh, I don't want to go down the road about, uh, Pierre Maguire, uh, last night, but, uh, Kendall, Kendall Coyne came out with a statement, uh, I think basically covering for Pierre because Pierre looked pretty bad last night, but I, I want to, yeah. I think we should talk about that tomorrow. That's fine. Um, 
Any any more questions, Russ? One more? Yeah. Esmir asked, would Talbot fit in Toronto? No. I don't think they would give up the assets that it would be required to get him, and they certainly aren't going to retain him. Yeah, That's I mean, I, so, no. I, I, I don't, you know, this is where Ak and I will, will disagree because Ak has gone down this road that, he, I mean, he's only, he's only reporting what he's hearing, but I think whoever is telling him that the Leafs are interested in, in Talbot, that guy knows nothing. One more question because it's for Peter. Julian wants to know what Peter thinks of Brassois because I answered the question last time because Peter fell offline. So, Peter, if you could answer that. What do I think of him? I yeah. think he is a very, um, strong goalie I think he, he and, and that's by accounts of, of what we've heard from the team he's physically like he's a big strong guy he's hard to move off the posts I think there are going to be teams that look at him I think there will be a one or two teams that look at him and think he, he can be a starter solution which would be a mistake I think it's the teams that know they have a guy who's going to be out in the next year or two need to bring him in and and I think he's going to get paid, and there will be someone very happy about him. But they're going to want to see if it's repeatable. Let me ask you one one last thing about him, Peter. In that game against the Flyers, I don't know if you saw it. There was a chance he had to make a glove save, and he flubbed it so bad he literally put the yeah. the rebound right on a Flyers stick, and it didn't go in, but it could have. Does that happen to him once in a while? Does he with his glove? Um, you know. Russ, he's only played 13 games, so yeah. it's hard by memory. People and, you just know, look and, at the record. You yeah. can't just look at the I, record. I, th I thought he was actually fighting the puck a little bit in the Flyers game. He was. Um, and, and, and a lot of credit to the Flyers. They were they they were pushing the play hard. They were pushing the play. And and stuff. So I think he still played well. I mean, I think that game could have been a 5-1 win for the Flyers if it wasn't for Bersois. So, you know, I think a credit to him to keep it where it was, but yikes it's um you know you know glove hands are something a lot of guys want to test out and sometimes you're going to have a good glove sometimes you're not but i mean he is a solid guy in front his positioning is so sound and yeah, his be positioning someone, i thought was real good yeah there'll be there'll be a couple teams who definitely want to take him okay yeah and uh i have to say hellebuck save on marshand and the shootout was incredible um right along the goal line got the left pad out there stopped it that was a, that was a great save uh one last note here um Jake Muzzin practicing his first time with the Maple Leafs is playing left defense alongside Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley is shifting over to the right side. I don't know if that's what's going to happen against Detroit tomorrow, but uh, Daryl Sutter apparently was right because Daryl Sutter said he had never played him on the right side and he's played very little on the right side. So, you know, what the, what the Leafs have done is they've gotten themselves a top four and they're going to move things around and experiment a little bit. But we'll see. We'll yeah, see. And actually, happens. and just to follow up, Julian said, um, Thanks, Peter, because he thinks that Eric Conroy will be up next year. I don't see why not. I do. I mean, just to give him a look. They can sign, if they can keep Persuas for another year, it'll but be. We got to see what he looks like in in camp, I guess. Yeah. Well, let's just say this: Comrie probably, if he doesn't sign there, or if he doesn't, if he isn't the backup in Winnipeg with the dearth of backup goaltenders. Um, he may have a job elsewhere because there's yeah, a lot, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah. All right, uh, good show, guys. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. For Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chum. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.